Hey everyone, this is James Mackey and welcome to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. Join us as we cover high-level thought leadership and step-by-step guides on how to make people a competitive advantage for your organization. I'm incredibly proud to be the CEO of Secure Vision, the sponsor of this show and the number one contract recruiting, embedded recruiting, and RPO firm. A thank you to our partners, Greenhouse, the hiring operating system for people-first companies, and Gem, the all-in-one hiring solution recruiters love. Let's go! Hello, welcome to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. I'm your host, James Mackey. Today, we're joined by Cynthia Ringelwar. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, James. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you. Thanks again for contributing. Well, yeah, I was hoping you can do a quick intro. I was born and raised in India. Uh, I'm an engineering started my career as a software engineer and eventually landed into the talent. I actually took some time off when I had my daughter uh, years ago. Gosh, time flies. And it did give me an opportunity to explore recruiting as a career. The compelling reason I had was I wanted to help people land their dream job. And over the years, recruiting has definitely helped me build deep connections, long-term relationships, which I value the most. But I've also broadened my scope outside of recruiting the last few years, particularly within talent management, employee relations, people ops, um, organizational structure, culture, and whatnot. Um, And there's nothing quite rewarding as witnessing the growth of not only individuals, but companies. And I'm definitely fortunate to have uh, been on this journey at various startups where I've had the privilege of building high-impact teams while driving innovative talent and people initiatives. I do find the ability to impact an employee lifecycle all the way from hiring, onboarding, um, their experience as the most rewarding part of my job. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. And right before we hit record, we had just actually started to talk a little bit about layoff trending in January 2024. Um, so I just figured, you know, since an interesting conversation we had, we jumped on the call. I just figured, hey, let's just, we could just talk about this a little bit more. We were talking a little bit about the market in tech, the correction. It seems like layoffs have been happening now for 18 months. When is this stuff going to end? And everyone tuning in, what we had just discussed prior to hitting record was my thoughts are, okay, I am seeing a bit of an uptick. I'm seeing more companies hiring, starting to hire again, not significant, but I'm seeing movement. I'm seeing demand. My company, Secure Vision, does embedded recruiting for tech companies primarily. And so we're starting to see more demand, more growth stage SaaS companies coming to us saying, hey, we need recruiting support. Again, not nothing like we were seeing in 2021, but we're closing deals again, which feels pretty cool. So what's your personal experience right now in the market? Like, because I know you're, of course, in talent acquisition and people leadership. Are you seeing any type of uptick in hiring or demand right now for talent acquisition? Or is it does it feel pretty consistent with what you were seeing last year? There is some uptick. There's Something good news. Yeah. There's good news for sure. Um, I do see more, hey, I'm joining XYZ, new job announcements more and more happening. And I also see... A uh, lot more roles open for a people side of the house, which is great. But then the marketplace has also experienced significant shifts, especially in the context of the recent layoffs. Um, and several factors have influenced 
um, hiring practices, um, if you take sourcing or going through the, uh, the interview process, the candidate experience. And something to note, James, is layoffs often lead to a surge in readily available talent pool, both tech, non-tech. And from what I'm seeing and hearing, the hiring teams are overwhelmed. The volume of inbound candidates they receive for a role, they post a role overnight, they end up getting thousands of applicants and often the posting gets taken down within a couple of days. Yeah, it's like the bottleneck is moving around. The need for sourcers probably is maybe not quite as high. In some cases, the need for coordinators mm -hmm. uh, is probably going up. I think that the need for pipeline control and forecasting out the time that interviewing teams have uh, interviews like because you can't just flood a hiring manager with 90 interviews per month they're not gonna have time for anything else so it's like historically the issue might have been like hiring plans were so big that in companies wouldn't factor in does the interviewing team have enough time to even support the amount of work that has to be done to hit the hiring plan that's still mm -hmm. an issue because companies just typically don't a lot of times don't think about that when they're putting together a hiring plan but right. now it's also for the perspective of like from a sourcing standpoint are we being selective enough and are we forecasting and budgeting the amount of time mm -hmm. that we're going to need to get these cans in? Are we, and we, are we cutting our top of funnel? It's not about just job postings, but it's a lot easier these days to, okay, I have an SDR opening. I can get like 10 qualified candidates in my pipeline that are past a phone screen with a recruiter in right. a week. And, and so it's, let's not just continue to flood top of funnel. We have to be more selective right. and just cut off the tap, like the, mm -hmm pipeline let's we should be able to make one good hire out of 10 candidates we don't need to review another 50 and so i think that there's some there's some discipline and strategy needs to go into ensuring that we're, our pipelines are actually not getting too big as well another thing to think about is the talent teams are pretty lean everywhere yeah. it's, it's probably a one person team or maybe a handful of folks and given the sheer amount of applicants there is a much higher risk of ghosting, yeah, being templated rejections with lack of substantial feedback or just not even getting a chance to talk to somebody. And I think I was talking to someone last week, the conversion from application to getting an interview is bizarre. It's 50 times to one or even more. So as a job seeker in this market, it is tough. It is very challenging. They're all top talent, but then you need a chance to show how awesome you are. And for that, you need to talk to someone on the hiring team, which seems to be yeah. such a, a challenge for a lot of people. It is. It's like the importance of network is more important now than mm -hmm. really ever before. I remember doing a poll on LinkedIn, which I don't do many of them because I don't necessarily always think they're quite helpful. But I remember doing a poll, and I think this was before the market took a dive in tech, but mm -hmm. there was something like 80% of people. I asked the question, like, how did you find your current role? And it was like agency recruiter, application, internal talent outreach, your network. And I think it was right. most of my network. I got around 30,000 connections, followers, whatever, 33,000 followers or whatever, most of which are tech industry. And I think the answer was like around 80% of the people that engaged in the post had found their current role 
through their network. I echo your thoughts there. And I can personally vouch other than my last job at Panther, which was through an exec search firm that they had in place. Most of my previous roles have been via my network. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's I can't always really, I started my company so, so long ago that I haven't been in the interviewing game, but I will say that most of my business in recruiting is run off referrals and relationships. I think mm-hmm. every single active customer I have right now is a result from an introduction from somebody I know. Yeah. Uh, that's just the reality of, I think, how it, a lot of it's working. I mean, people cannot rely on just applying right now. It's right. working relationships. And it's a lot of times, too, it's like deeper than just asking someone for an intro. It's like, even when things are like the one piece of advice is kind of taking a pivot a little bit, but I would say to people, invest in relationships when things are going well, invest mm-hmm. in relationships when you have a job that appears to be stable. Life and our careers come in seasons and you, you always have to be building relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, because Otherwise, like when somebody's laid off and then you're like making asks of people and mm-hmm. that for the first time and, and, and being in talent acquisition is hard too, because when things are going well, you're so freaking busy trying to fill all these roles for your employer or to build a scalable TA program. I don't have time to do the networking or to build these friendships or whatever else, but it's like you, it's like that capital that you can kind of cash in on those relationships mm-hmm. when things are tough. Now, I even had somebody pretty close to me lose their job out of months for several, excuse me, out of work for several months, uh, financially it became a struggle. And I was able to, based on real relationships I've developed, reach out to someone in my network and be like, hey, I need you to just find a way to get her a job and just make it happen basically. And, um, and he did. And it's, that's really the power of investing. And it's not just about your network loosely. It's develop real friendships. And, and I feel like it's just something that people constantly have to do because in a market like this, if you're going to leave it up to like luck or just skill, even competency, right. it's just I, not necessarily enough right now. Absolutely agree. And it's not only about networking has another huge advantage, right? There, this this is opportunity to learn from each other yeah oh yeah for sure it's like you get out of your own little world and learn from each other yeah yeah what are the best practices TA world hey what are you doing in terms of dei or what are you doing in terms of metrics or any new tool i should be checking out so it's, it's always great to be in touch with your network and continue to build newer connections newer relationships it's a small world yeah, for sure. Um, I have one other thing that I want to touch upon. There's this huge myth around, let's say, uh, James ever heard that idea that best candidates are always happily employed and they're not constantly looking. Yeah, that's true. And it's a pretty common belief, a myth, I would say. But let's set the record. It's just not true, particularly in the current times where being laid off doesn't necessarily say much about the individual values or skills, but it often speaks more to a company's hiccups in terms of their strategy or growth plans or not able to cope up with the economic hurdles. And here's the kicker. Leaving out folks who are unemployed means that 
companies are missing out on a goldmine of talent because there's a lot of people out there, top quality candidates out there looking for job opportunities. And they bring a lot of experience and resilience, particularly searching in this market. You have to be resilient. You have to be persistent. You have to be a go-getter. And that comes with navigating all the twists and turns the current market situation. And you can even think of real life experiences like parents. A huge ask here to companies that are hiring is they should be focusing on the real deal, which is skill, experience, and the potential. And the beauty here is this approach not only makes hiring easy, but it makes it more inclusive. You're able to access diverse mix of talents and experiences, which helps you with building world-class teams in the best way possible. Yeah. And to speak to your point too about the a lot of great people being unemployed, yeah, some of the most confident people that I know are unemployed right now or have recently been unemployed. It's And that's kind of where I was saying too, it's like your relationships in your career are almost like sometimes even more important than your competency. Uh, they're both important, but you cannot just win in your career by just saying, I'm just going to be really good at what I do. That's not mm-hmm. enough. You're not going to win. We're social creatures, a species, as a species. Like you, it's our social interactions, our communication skills. All these types of things are critical to our success. And people are going to be incredibly vulnerable without working those relationships and even investing in those relationships, creating friendships, like genuine friendships with folks that work in our industry. It's still going to be hard. There still is a good chance that you're going to get laid off. It could take months to find something. So I'm not saying that the people that are unemployed have not necessarily done this. That's not what I'm saying, but it, to give ourselves every advantage possible, consistently investing in that. I think too, to get to your point about companies are and thinking that if somebody's unemployed, that you know, maybe they aren't the best. I was seeing probably even more of that like, at the beginning of this 18 month correction. I think at, at this point, maybe hopefully there's a better understanding. And I don't know if this is the case, but I would hope that people mm-hmm. are getting to the point now where, okay, with several hundred thousand people get laid off, like, come on. This is obviously something that has to do with uh, the tech market economy as a whole. And you're right. It's it's like, there's so many great people out there looking for work right now. It's uh, whether they're working or not, it's almost, it's irrelevant. It's just, right. let's just focus on getting the best person regardless of what their situation is. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so D and I, to wrap up our podcast today, just based on your experience, I would just love to see how you approach it. If there's, if you have any lessons learned, best practices, anything that you really wanted to discuss today, I'd, I'd be really interested in having the DEI conversation with you. Yeah, James, this is something that's near and dear to me. I'm very passionate about building diverse and inclusive teams, and I've been a very strong advocate for launching DEI Council initiatives at Branch Panther. So would love to share some of my learnings. Yeah, let's do it. I want to begin by saying building a diverse and inclusive team um, is not just meeting coders. It's about fostering an environment where individuals from different backgrounds feel valued, respected, Mm -hmm. and included. And first and foremost, leadership needs to be on board. There should be a commitment from the leadership and they should actively demonstrate inclusive behaviors and communicate their commitment across the board, um, setting clear expectations at all levels of their arc. 
and making it a core value. Leading by example is critical here when it yeah, comes no. to building a diverse and inclusive team. For sure. And so for companies that are starting to make more of an emphasis here, you know, it's okay. So it starts with leadership. Let's say leadership decides, okay, this is a priority. What are some of the initial steps that leadership teams can take to really create meaningful progress over, let's say, three to 12 months? What are those right. initial um, First, look into the team composition. Like, mm -hmm. where are we today? So you can start working backwards or forward looking. This is where we are. This is where we should be, or these are the changes that we should be making. Because again, it shouldn't end up becoming token hiring system because that's not healthy. Yeah. But the reality is it all starts with hiring. Bringing people from different backgrounds, cultures through the door is the first step. And I'm going to get a little more tactical here because having an unbiased interview process is very important there. We have to ensure that the hiring process is fair and free from unconscious biases. Um, coming yeah. up with a diverse interview panel to assess candidates, getting the getting multiple perspectives would help in making a much more informed and unbiased hiring decision. So that's there. And also building interview processing to be inclusive, accommodating special request and not using that against the candidates. Something that we launched at Panther is making sure the process is inclusive to accommodate um, disability. And we did ask candidates, um, would you need any sort of accommodation? Something that we're able to provide and just being more inclusive and mindful and empathetic. Um, and that's the first step, but things don't stop just at bringing people through the door. We have so to they, that's where they get started. It's yeah. Like when the work begins when you build a diverse team. All right, now we got to lead a diverse team and make sure everybody's opinions are valued and working together. That's uh, I've heard some people leaders say, yeah, that's really kind of where the work begins. Exactly. Setting them up for success, making sure they have an inclusive environment where they feel supported is again pretty crucial and significant and this is where the employee experience comes into play that's where your policies mm -hmm. um, how are you thinking about policies total rewards and all of that on top of it regularly reviewing and updating policies to ensure that they are inclusive and if there are potential biases Particularly in some of these areas like promotion, compensation, benefits, you end up a lot of unconscious bias. Like people don't yeah. do it on purpose, but then it just creeps in. So just making sure that there is no potential biases in any of the systems that you have in place. And James, what I've noticed is there is a strong need for education and training to folks, the broader team, to help increase awareness, promoting and understanding, and also to challenge stereotypes. And a lot of, um, uh, in the past, when there are issues of friction points, I've always noticed it all boils down to lack of the awareness. If you are not part of the minority group, you don't necessarily understand their experience. You wouldn't even know. I just simply said this. But then if you're on the receiving side, it could be offensive or it could be very hurtful. 
and language matters the most, particularly when you're in a remote setting, when you're not sitting right next to the person. Um, language, it could end up in a positive or a negative yeah. a situation. So being mindful of words and phrases um, that may unintentionally exclude or hurt certain groups. Um, yeah, that's a big one. That really is. And that's part of the culture that can be developed. And I suppose, too, trying to attract talent that's aware to it's, it's like education of existing talent, but then also part of the culture maybe is also looking for folks that um, maybe already have a level of awareness or, mm-hmm. or prioritizing this to a certain extent or really see the value in it. And um, yeah, I think more than what you just said, too, like people that really understand it's more than a metric. It's yeah, culture, yeah. It's a way of being, it's a way of working. Uh, and yeah, like it should be like you see the inherent innate value and it's something that's important to you as a human first, mm-hmm. not just work. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's very nuanced. It's very nuanced. But with any process or initiative, you should frequently check in on how you're doing. The health yeah, initiative, sure. that's very much needed. And that could only happen if you're regularly collecting and analyzing that diversity data quarterly, looking into the team composition, uh, looking into the hiring numbers, but also attrition numbers. Are there any patterns? We should mm, be concerned. Yeah. Looking for those signals is really important to understand what's going on and Feedback. Feedback is a gift. You have to set up a mechanism to hear from everybody, not only folks from minority groups, but from the rest of the company, getting inputs from employees, ERG groups on what is working, what isn't working. um, That's very important as well. I agree. And we are actually coming up on time here. So this has been a really fun conversation. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. And you're welcome back on the show anytime you want to come on. Absolutely. This was such an engaging conversation, James. And thank you so much for having me today. For sure. Absolutely. For everybody tuning in, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and gained a lot of valuable insights to help guide your talent strategy. I also want to say thank you to my team at Secure Vision for making the show possible. Secure Vision is the number one embedded recruitment provider, and we are a three-time category leader on G2. Secure Vision partners with over 150 companies to provide on-demand recruiters who specialize in either tech, revenue, or GNA. For more information, you can visit securevision.io. For more content, you can follow me on LinkedIn at James Mackey or on Twitter at James Mackey DMV. We've dropped links in the description. If you want to be on our show or have any topics you'd like for us to cover, reach out at breakthroughhiring.io. We really appreciate your support with reviews on Apple Podcasts. And lastly, make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for a new episode. See you next time.